Welcome to Legacy Battle. Make sure you hit that like, subscribe, and notification button. I'm Mike Wyrams, creator of Legacy Battle. My panelists tonight from the Gridiron Battle Zone, Brian King, Steelers Nation South, Rollo Coffin, and we're, we're joined by from the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame, Scott Crawford. But what a lot of you don't know who's been watching this show, he is, was also worked for the Ontario Five Pin Bowling Association. So it's going to fit into perfect with tonight's topic, with, which is the greatest women's bowler of our all time. And our guest tonight... And our argument can be made that she is the GOAT. I mean, it's out there. So she'll, she'll deny it, but she's got 20 uh, PWBA titles. That's seventh all time. She's got two BBA, P, PBA Women's Series titles. Oh, slipping all my words tonight. 2014, she won the Dick Weber uh, Bowling Ambassador Award, and she was elected to the PWBA Hall of Fame in 2020. So we have Carolyn Dorn Ballard here. She's going to go by CDB tonight. So thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks. I'm glad we could finally get together. <laughs> yes, yes. Excellent. As always, we're going to have our Q&A after uh, for CDB about her career and, and possibly, you know, some bowling things today. Uh, but we're going to start out tonight with uh, Lisa Wagner. So Lisa Wagner from the beautiful city of Bradenton, Florida, where I currently sit right now, uh, started her career at 18, and she didn't win any tourneys uh, for the first two years, but she did have three runner-ups, and um, she was voted Rookie of the Year, uh, the, the, the year she turned pro. It would be two more years before she won her first title in 1983, uh, but that didn't stop her there. She would go on to win the next week at the Greater Milwaukee Open and go eight consecutive seasons with at least two titles per year. In that span, she would win the Female Bowl of the Year three times, and one of those seasons in 1988, she won the Bowl of the Year uh, with, with six titles. Um, she also became the, that season the first female pro to cash $100,000 in a single season. She was voted the 80s female bowler of the decade. She also is recognized as the all-time leader in PWBA tour titles with 32. She's also uh, won the W. She's also the five-time titleist in the WC, WBC Open Championships. And when she retired in 2021, uh, she was had already been voted to two Hall of Fames, the PWBA Hall of Fame in 1996 and the U.S. Bowling Congress Hall of Fame in 2001. She's the all-time leader in, in, in wins, so that's why she is the GOAT of women's bowling. Okay. So CDB, first tour win for you was partnered with her. So tell us your thoughts on her. Um, I definitely think Lisa needs to stay at the top of the greatest of all time. So for me, it is very hard to pinpoint one person. I know we're going to talk about several because I truly believe there are qualities that make people great. And I think there are qualities that make people just good. And that, and again, being good is not a bad thing. It's just... There are qualities that take people onto that word great. Um, I think Lisa did amazing things with a game at the time that people I felt um, probably called more one-dimensional because she liked to play the lanes a little bit straighter. She did spin the ball just a little bit, but here's the key to her success. Phenomenal, phenomenal spare shooter. She could repeat. And as the game changed and more people became um, 
a force to be reckoned with on the tour. She did adapt her game to what she needed to do to still be that great status. So she, you know, wore a mongoose, stayed a little more behind the ball, but never lost the qualities that made her great, which was repeatability and just, again, having that mentality of never wanting to lose. When I made the show, I was there to win. And that's really what made her great. I think she was always a force to be reckoned with. Um, when you can repeat and you know you're going to fill frames, when you bowl someone like that in match play or you bowl them on TV, you know you have to bring your best because they're not going to make a mistake. And that's what was uh, Lisa's probably uh, greatest quality when she made TV. And uh, it, it, it was inspiring, number one, because, yes, I had the opportunity to room with her for a few years. Uh, I won my doubles title, my first title with her. And she taught me a lot, even on that first show. I was so nervous. But again, uh, the things she said, the things she did on TV, and she the things that she showed me were possible. Really, I don't know if she knew she was doing it, but she did. So I think there those couple of qualities really put her at the pinnacle of being probably one of the best of all time, no matter what happens here in the future. Well, let's move on to uh, Patty Costello. All right, Patty Costello. Um, she was a left-handed bowler, and uh, she, she didn't get into bowling until she was uh, 16 years old. Mm -hmm. But despite the late start, uh, she quickly became one of the best lady bowlers in the business. Uh, she won one title in 1968, four in 1970, and then took home the uh, PWBA championship in 1971. So a very impressive rise considering her lack of experience at that point. Uh, overall, from 1968 to 1986, she won 39 titles, which is the most ever, including the PWBA championship three total times, the U.S. Open three times, and two other major titles. Uh, 1976 was truly a special year for Patty. She won six PWBA events in a single year, setting the all-time record. And that record stood until it was beaten by somebody named Carolyn Doran Ballard with seven in 2001. Uh, but sadly, uh, 1977 was a terrible year for Patty personally, as she dealt with the sudden death of her father. And she began to really suffer from uh, anxiety attacks and deep depression. But despite that, she still dominated on the alley, winning three titles that season. Uh, she eventually recovered and bowled for several more years at a very high level, in all, Patty won the Bowler of the Year Award three times, 1972, 76, and 85. Uh, she left the game after the 1986 season and was inducted into the USBC Hall of Fame in 1989. So truly a, a legendary lady of the sport, overcame adversity, and still sits at the top of the all-time titles list. So that's Patty Costello. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, she's definitely... Somebody who you, especially if you're a left-handed bowler, that was somebody you really needed to look at. So I did not share the lanes very much with Patty. I saw Patty probably more towards the end of her career. Uh, I grew up bowling uh, the Women's All-Star Association events on the East Coast. Patty bowled all of them. And by the way, that's one of her best qualities as well. Um, Patty still remained very true to her roots and where she grew up bowling. So even though she was this star and this Hall of Famer, 
she would still uh, compete in the events every Saturday and Sunday in the in the WASAs, what we called it. Again, Women's All-Star Association, one of the best. I mean, we had at times 200 entries, 170 entries. I mean, phenomenal organization. She always showed up to bowl. And yes, people became a little intimidated by her because number one, she was left-handed and she could strike a bunch. But again, another another asset to her game. I don't ever remember Patty missing many spares. Again, these women just filled frames. They knew what their job was and their job was to win. Um, she again could repeat. The other part of, of Patty was she could play multiple parts of the lane. So you may not see a lot of it on video because of course in the 50s, 60s, 70s and whatever, there wasn't as much video, you get short clips. Um, but she could play all parts of the lane. So by the time she would bowl, um, again, I didn't bowl against her on tour, but even in these events on the weekends, by the time the lanes broke down, because we didn't have to re-oil all the time, so if that's something you want to talk about later, um, you bowled on what was out there. So you had to adapt to the conditions, and she did. She was able to move right hook that ball into the lane. So in the beginning, she would play straighter. And as the day went on, she'd move right, get that ball to the left. And she was she was a monster on the lanes and she could strike a bunch. Let's move on to Scott. Who are you bringing us, Scott? Yeah, I have uh, Leanne Barrett. Uh, mm -hmm. She's uh, right up there with all these other ones. She's She was 1987, the PWBA Rookie of the Year. Um, and then she obviously won, she was three-time player of the year for that, uh, that association. She had a nickname Boomer, which was great for bowling. You think it was the sound when the ball hits the pins. Correct. Um, so the Boomer nickname was, was, uh, pretty good for her, I, I believe. Um, she, she won over a million dollars bowling, which is, which is obviously, I mean, she bowled a lot. She was very good. She was a three-time USBC Women's Championship. Um, she's right up there with Lisa uh in Aletta in the world uh career titles yes and uh most probably most one of the most important facts i found about her was she won two robbie awards and those awards for the outstanding award for sportsmanship and professionalism voted on by, by the pwba peers so that means for people she bowled with thought she was a great person as well as obviously a great bowler so that was uh that was one of the key things i found about about leanne and she's in two Hall of Fames, sorry, I should say, the, of course, the United States Bowling Correct. Congress and the PWBA Hall of Fame. So she's in two different Hall of Fames for bowling. Yes. So uh, I have the pleasure of not only sharing the lanes with Leanne, but she's one of my very good friends. So I just talked to her yesterday. Um, she's phenomenal. Um, and I would say her game probably outlasted the other two ladies over a longer period of time. That's also because uh, there were more tournaments, number one. And number two, she bowled longer as there were more tournaments that became available once our tour folded. And Leanne kept herself very um, competitive and still does to this day. She still competes in the Queens tournament, um, a couple of senior events, and the Lucy double. So she's still very competitive on the lanes. And she can still hook it, uh, which is very impressive. Uh, she does admit her ball speed is probably a little bit slower, but um, she looks phenomenal on the lanes. The things that made her great, uh, there's quite a few. She actually was the introduction in the late 80s into the 90s of women can hook the ball. 
naturally without a wrist device. So she grew up bowling like that. And then she took the initiative to get great coaching along the way that helped her enhance that hook potential on the lane and made it very productive. What most people don't know about Leanne is, again, and this is a word I'm going to say about women uh, the most, repeatability. She did the same thing over and over and over again. Um, she will tell you she didn't feel uh, that at times she did that, but she did. A uh, great spare shooter. And even though she had, a, uh, she had higher axis rotation and could open up a lane faster than most women, she could play straight. Now, she couldn't do it as well in the beginning of her career, and she will say that. By the time we hit the 90s and into the 2000s, if I, if I was bowling great in the morning and I was playing straighter around, you know, between 5 and 10, Leanne was out there between 5 and 10. But I knew I had to bomb them in the morning because I knew at night she was going to be way left and she was still going to be able to bomb them. So I had to adapt to what she did and she had to adapt to what I did. That's what I think it makes a great player. And she was able to do that. And when she made TV, she took full advantage of it, uh, winning many titles. Again, in that span where she just, every time she made the show, she was winning matches, winning titles, winning player of the year. Um, and then her last title being the U.S. Open in Cowboy Stadium uh, was a phenomenal feat to watch. And again, uh, did not, was not, opening the lane a ton, but was able to get a little bit left of the other players. But again, a lot of these players have some of the same qualities, repeatability, great spare shooting. And as their career progressed, they progressed with their career. They adapted to lane conditions. They adapted to the, the new balls, you know, because they started with urethane. Now they're into reactive. And, you know, now, of course, they're even more powerful powerful as we have a lot of hybrid, but um, definitely uh, she's by far one of the greatest of all time because she could do so much and was before her time in somebody who could really open up a lane before many women hooked it. Do you, do you think she has, she would have the record if the PWBA doesn't shut down during her, uh, almost near her peak? Yes. She should have the wins record. She does. Yes. And we've talked about that. We've actually discussed that. I, I definitely think she would have surpassed. Um, she would have definitely surpassed Alita and Lisa. Um, 37 titles is a lot. Um, I believe that's what Pat, Patty Costello had, right? 37? 30, 39. 39. Sorry. 39 titles. 39 is a lot. But we, we also bowled when we had 28 and 30 weeks a year to bowl. So your your odds and your numbers go up because you have a more you have more time to compete, right? You have more opportunity. Um, I definitely think Leanne is one of those players that could have given that a run for her money. Um, I just think thirty nine is just some unbelievable number that I could never even imagine. But do I think she would have given it a run for her money and won at least ten or eleven? Well, yeah, definitely, definitely. If she didn't beat it or tie it, she would have been darn close. Well, let's move on to our final bowler tonight, and that is going to be Alita Sill. Uh, so PWBA Tour from 1980 to 2001. Yep. It's a pretty nice long career, winning uh, 31 titles, which is second most all-time. Um, all of, uh, Six of those were majors. So, you mm -hmm. know, when we look at golf or tennis, it's always, you know, the 
the the majors or the grand slams that are bigger. So we've got six majors there. Money talks on this show. She is the first woman to eclipse one million dollars. So nice little penny there for her. Uh, like everyone else, she's got the USBC and PWBA Hall of Fame uh, membership there that she's in. She's also the first woman to win the Triple Crown twice in a career. And the only other person to do that is Peter Weber, who, who did it on the men's side. Um, and something with her career that is is interesting, and, and I mean, some of the other women that we talked about tonight had to deal with this as well, is that they had to play against the men. So not only did they have to be the best woman at that time period, they had to be better than the men to, to pick up victories. So that's just an interesting for a lot of these uh, women that we're talking about tonight. Uh, her first game of bowling was at five years old. And the funny thing about that is she threw a gutter ball uh, every time that she threw the ball. It was a gutter ball, her <laughs> first game. And that's kind of what her inspired her because her grandfather said, if you get an 80, I'll buy you a ball and a pair of shoes. So that inspired her and that really made her like the sport and it obviously took off um she's currently running uh, the elita hill bowling world so that's still active I, i've seen it on facebook um and she's got 35 maybe 36 it's not actually recorded perfect games uh so somewhere in that ballpark and i'm going to end it with this quote from her because i, I really like it. it says bowling is a great sport a challenging game as tough as golf basketball or softball to master but it's also a game anyone can play and have fun at, and that's why I love it. So I just think that's a nice quote, and, and it just shows that, uh, you know, it is a game that everyone can play and everyone can have fun with. From very young, I, I take my my seven-year-old, she loves it, to myself, uh, you know, her grandparents, mm -hmm. everybody loves to bowl. So your your thoughts on our final bowler tonight? Um, one of my favorite of all time. So uh, I had the pleasure of sharing the lanes with um, Alita, and I remember being in college and watching her bowl on TV. And I have said this from the very beginning. And even as I, uh, then I went on to tour and I got to, to meet her and become friends with her was she, when she was on the lanes and especially TV, if she needed a strike to win, I am going to go 99.9%. .9%. The woman always threw it ice in her veins. I swear to God, the woman had ice in her veins never looked nervous, never waved off of point A to point B, always looked rock solid. Uh, by far, if you were going to uh, model your game after someone, Alita was somebody that you should watch and just soak it all in. She was phenomenal. Um, just always in it to win it, took advantage when, uh, you know, when there was always the controversy of left to right and blah, 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 blah. Here's the key. Alita bowled well when the other lefties didn't. So you could say that they're, when, when, they, when they were five up on the show or five in the top 10 or whatever you wanted to say, yes, Alita was there. And she was probably the one lefty on the TV show. But when there were no lefties in the cut or not even running for the TV show, Alita was in the hunt. That's how good she was. And she could play all over the lane. Another one who adapted her style to what she needed to do to be uh, successful and a phenomenal spare shooter. I swear, I don't remember her ever missing any spares. And I actually have the, 
I have the pleasure of my first singles title was against Alita Sill. She needed to get up in the 10th to strike. And I just, I kind of knew she was going to, right? I'm like, she's going to, she's going to hit the pocket. I know she is. And she left a ringing seven pin uh, for me to win. But again, gets up there and throws it like it's just something she's supposed to do every day of the week. And um, I loved watching her bowl. And she was as gracious on the lanes as she was off. Very, a little more quiet and laid back, but uh, totally funny and has a great laugh. But unbelievable when she made TV. You, if you were looking at the top five and she was in the top five, she was probably always your first pick as she was going to probably win or be in the title match. But her game was so simple. And again, um, it was simple from point A to point B, but getting the ball off her hand, repeat, 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 repeat. And then she knew what her job was. Come in the second block. I know I'm going to have to be a little bit further right. I'm going to have to do something that's probably not in my norm. But as the years went on, she adapted. And what did she do? Repeat, 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 repeat. And that's really what made her so great. But man, her focus and her mental game was bar none one of the best. Well, let's move into our vote tonight. Cannot pick your own. Scott, you're in my upper corner. Who are you taking? Uh, I'm going to go with Patty. Oh, okay. All right. Brian. Um, I I'm impressed with uh with Leanne. I mean, the the adaptability and and being innovative and, you know, bringing uh, the hook to women's bowling. Uh, I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. So, I'll go Leanne. Rollo. Uh, when you get mentioned in the same breath as Peter Weber, Alita Sill, the only one to win the Triple Crown twice. Yeah. I got to give it to her. Okay. Uh, wow. And uh, <laughs> it's not it's not often we have a, a, a four way split on this show because I actually liked Lisa Wagner. I mm -hmm. I, I I liked what Rollo's stats and everything, and um, it, it's it's hard to go against her. I mean, these are all pretty even here. It's, you know, always hard to pick the best, but yeah, I'm I'm taking Lisa. So okay. I mean, CDB, you're used to pressure, and I know you said you don't like picking. Oh, I gotta pick favorite. one. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, who, who who would you pick? Uh, oh, I don't like to pick. I like them all. <laughs> um, the reason I say that is because so many of them were in different eras. You know what I mean? Like you can't, like I find it sometimes very hard because Patty Costello was phenomenal, yet she bowled in a different era than Lisa Wagner, Alita, and Leanne. But I'm probably going to have to go with, <laughs> Ooh. Well, I'm going to have to go with longevity. And because she still competes, I'm going to have to go with Leanne Holzenberg. Leanne Barrett Holzenberg. All right. A, a win for, for Leanne Barrett tonight. Congratulations, yep. Scott. Yep. Uh, you'll get first question in our Q&A. And then we'll go Rollo, Brian, me. Okay. Great. Um, sticking with Leanne. Um, okay. You guys were both inducted into the United States Bowling Congress the same year, correct? Yeah. Yes. Um, so that must have been extra special. And um, now I know in baseball, a lot of the classes, the induction classes sort of stay lifelong friends and do events together and, and whatnot. Is that the, the same in bowling? I mean, you mentioned you're a good friend, Leanne, anyways, but is it was the connection really um, 
uh, increased when you were inducted the same year and you've stayed friends since or? Oh yeah. No, her husband's coming into town tomorrow and he's staying at our house. So <laughs> yes, we have, <laughs> um, you know, one of the great things about, uh, when, when I competed with all these, these women was, it really was more of a family oriented, um, community. And the reason being is we had 28 or 30 weeks a year that we bowled. I mean, there was no going home. There was no off time. So when you're on the road nine weeks in a row without going home, these, these people became your family and your friends. Uh, you, you know, you either needed to adapt or you were going to be very lonely on the road. And I had the pleasure of being on staff with Leanne uh, back when we were on tour together. We were a part of, um, at the time, the Ebonite staff for many years. She was on uh, way longer than I was, but... Um, you know, my whole 14 or 15 years, we bowled together on the same team. We were part of, uh, you know, the same vision of trying to make women's bowling what it needed to be, following what our company wanted to set forth. So we had, uh, we shared a lot of time on the lanes, but we also shared a lot of time off the lanes. And uh, yes, you, those friendships that I, I forged uh, while on tour are still going strong today. And I think that's a, I think that's something that I feel um, I feel is very important and I think helps you grow not only as an athlete, but as a person, because being friends with someone that once you step on the lanes, I really, and my friends would say this and Leanne would say this about me. I, when I was on the lanes, I just, it was all about me and I, I had tunnel vision and there was nothing else going on. I can't be bothered with anything else. Like this is my goal and this is where I'm going. Um, but yet when we were off the lanes and we were done, it was where are we going for lunch or on Wednesday, whoever made the show or didn't make the show, we'd go have a glass of wine or something like that. So I think it's very important to athletes, uh, doesn't matter what sport you're in. I think it is important to make sure that those that there are friendships with those people that you compete against, because I think it shows what type of individual you are also um, on and off the lanes or, you know, whatever sport it be. So um, I, I value that. I think it's important. And I feel sorry. I shouldn't say I feel sorry, but I think it's unfortunate, like with now with women's bowling, there's so few weeks to bowl that I think it's more pocketed as into the friendships. They don't, you know, we were throwing birthday parties and wedding wedding showers and celebrating Alita's milestone with the million dollar mark with the big party. And um, I don't see any of that today. And I think that was such an important part of keeping us all um, grounded yet competitive. And I think it was important. So uh, yes, Leanne and I are still very good friends. CDB, you, yep. your, your husband is a, a bowler, your sister's bowler, your brother-in-law's a bowler, mm -hmm. but you won a tournament with your daughter. What was yes. that like? And what was, what, what, what was the, 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 the high from that um, being able to win a tournament with your daughter? You should have told me that I would have put our picture. I have a big picture over in the other room. I should have put it up over here. I could show you. Um, that by far could be one of the greatest things I've ever done. And, you know, listening to everybody about my career, remember, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That 
was unbelievable. Um, you know, when they asked us to be on the telecast, I I called her and I said, hey, um, this she was out shopping with one of her friends. I said, hey, I just got this phone call. And oh, I, she's like, oh, yeah, let's do it. I'm like, okay. I got off the phone and I'll never forget. I found Dell. We were, we were here at home and I said, Hey, I got it. I just got a phone call from Tom Clark and followed up with an email. This is what they want to do. And I said, I, I think this is so great. He's like, yes, this is fantastic. I go, but here's the thing. We're the only women, which means no one at this point thinks we can win. And I said, number two, this will be the, this will be one tournament that I will practice my bleep off because I will not lose this for her. <laughs> so I'm telling you, I, I was drilling equipment. I mean, I'm still competitive and I still bowl, but I was practicing. I was drilling equipment. I was, I mean, we got there a day early to bowl in this. I mean, I'm telling you, I told Dell. I don't care what I have to do. I am not blowing this for her because to lose for me is one thing, you know what I mean? But, oh, no way, man. I am not going to go down as my mom didn't strike, you know? <laughs> That's what's <laughs> going through my head. Not that she would have said that, but I'm just saying she's so laid back like Dell. It's, I mean, obviously if you watch the show, you could tell she's like, mom, you're embarrassing me, you know? Um, but it, so it by far goes to the top of my list of bowling achievements. Um, I, almost, I also feel so proud as a mom because I know how much it meant to her. And she bowled super well on that TV show. I mean, she set me up every time we had a chance to win that match against the Bones and the Barneses. And those are two easy teams. Those are tough teams. So um, it was, she bowled phenomenal. She kept her composure. She made her spares. And I know, uh, again, I'm great friends with Parker and Chris, as well as watching their children grow up and Alyssa's friends with the kids. So I have to tell you, and I'm going to go on record, Parker and Chris, for as disappointed as they, they were, were so happy for Alyssa and myself. And I also, that's a testament to both of them and their children. But that, what you see on TV there when we were all hugging each other, that was genuine. That wasn't, that wasn't for the cameras. That was, that was true uh, respect and happiness for, for us. And um, again, just when it, she bowled phenomenal. And I just thank God that I was able to walk to the line because I was nervous and shaking and I remember looking over at Dell before I got up and Dell's like just make sure to pitch it just make sure to pitch it just make sure to get it on the lane I'm like okay get it on the lane catch it get it on the lane catch it get it on the lane that's all I kept telling myself I didn't think of anything else and it all worked out so yeah so CVB uh what could you it's, tell the viewers okay hold on hold on you guys are saying CBD I am not an oil and I am not something you smoke. I am CBB. <laughs> CBB, yeah, right. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> D -B. D -B, right, okay. CDB. So yeah. what, what's up? What, so what what could you tell the uh the viewers about the uh, the Bauer Bowling Academy? Uh, I mean, I checked out the site. 
see some pretty cool bowling balls, some lessons that are offered. So what, what can you tell me about that? So, you know, it's funny and I, I don't, I'm obviously he can cut this if it runs too long. So one of my passion, um, I was very fortunate growing up, very fortunate. Uh, I had a bowling center and a youth program that was stellar. We had two, over 200 kids in our youth program. We ran two shifts. Um, we had a proprietor that just loved the kids and we had a pro shop operator that went out of his way to make sure we were prepared or there to answer questions or give us coaching tips or whatever it be. I always felt very fortunate about that. I never forgot that. So um, later on, when I went on tour and I moved to Texas and I meet Dell, uh, a pro shop became available, One our first pro shop, and we still have, thank goodness, um, I love it, uh, became available. And I said to him, now Dell had been in the pro shop industry early in his career in the late eighties and early nineties and got out of it and whatever. And I said to him, I want to buy a pro shop. I want to, I want to own one. I always have. I think it's so important to have a place where people can go to help them because that's what I came from. And he's like, I don't want to do it. I'm not, no, we need to do this. So we do it. And we started with basically making sure that everyone that came into that pro shop felt welcome. In other words, what do you need? What do you feel you need? And then when you tell us what you feel you need, we're going to help enhance that experience. We are not here to tell you what you need. I want to hear from you first. So I tried to build a culture of making sure people felt comfortable, especially women, because I grew up in an era where I would go in and tell the pro shop operator on the road, hey, can you drill this bowl for me, blah, blah, blah. And I'd get it back and it'd be drilled different. And I'm like, that's not what I asked for. So I, I grew up where no one thought I knew what I was talking about, right? I didn't want that to be the norm. So when we got our second pro shop down at City View Lanes, thank you, Josh Modello, I said to Dell, this has to be education. This shop has to be premier and it has to be education-based because there's still that norm out there that when I travel around the country and I go to talk to most pro shops are, are run by men, although we mentioned Alita Sill now and there's Lisa Bishop and Robin Romeo had a pro shop for years. Carol Norman, Donna Connors, thank God. But there's still that norm and people still feel odd going in to ask a pro shop operator well i'm not very good but i want to buy another ball you shouldn't have to feel like that you shouldn't have to feel intimidated and i wanted our place of business to be somewhere people wanted to come to learn about themselves and bowling not tell them i wanted them to learn and basically that's what ballard's bowling academy is it's about family our passion bowling education and um, especially helping the youth bowlers. And we do run a lot of clinics. We are inundated with lessons. Thank you to everyone that has faith in us uh, to help get them to the next level. But it's an all-encompassing thing. It's not just about bowling. It's about um, the mental game, learning your equipment, um, being prepared on and off the lanes, especially with our youth bowlers. We really try to mentor them at into, there's a process here. You're going to go from high school, 
You're going to go into college possibly and the tour, right? That's kind of where they lean. You know, we're always passionate about a sport, but there are things that we feel they need to know because of our experiences. And I want them to be more prepared to tackle some of those things than I was. And I had a great experience and knock on wood, thank God. Again, I am extremely fortunate to have had a lot of great mentors along the way. So I don't think my bumps and bruises were as harsh as some of, of people that I competed against. Um, I was fortunate. I, I guess I had less bumps and bruises, but I had a lot of them. But I had people there along the way to help guide me through that. And I think that's important. Um, and I don't think we put enough emphasis on that. I think it's phenomenal that you can throw a ball great. I think I think it's great. I, I look at it and go, oh my God, I wish I could do that. But it's what you do with that talent as you move forward on and off the lanes that's going to make you either that great athlete or just one of the majority. And I just, we really focus on just all aspects of being an all-around athlete, no matter what age you are, um, so that you can then use some of what you learn to maybe pass that on. So that's why I kind of called it an academy, because it really is about so many different things. Um, and it's, it's something where when you leave, I want you to go tell somebody else about your great experience, but I also want you to pass on something you've learned. And I think that's important. So I know you got to give a lesson here in a little bit. So uh, I'll get you out of here at this. I'm going to Four of, lessons today. Four, four lessons. lessons. <laughs> four lessons. No, no, no. We're fine. No, we're doing great on time. No, yeah. Okay. No, I'm packed yeah. today. It's it's wonder. You know, that's another thing. I, I Oh, my God. You know, like I looked at my day-to-day -day when I was talking to you and I'm like, oh, my God. Jesus. I'm, I'm like at the bowling center until seven o'clock today. And I'm like, oh, my God. But that's a great thing. It, it's, a, it's a phenomenal thing. Um, because that means, again, people have faith in us. And as you can tell, I love to talk and I love people and I'm passionate. And even my husband says sometimes, he made a comment to me once and I'm sorry, Mike, I, I think I cut you off there and I apologize. No, but okay. my, my husband, my husband made a comment to me one time. So I think you'll enjoy this. It's just a quick story. We're doing this clinic and it's for um, high school coaches and we're doing team building, team building, mental training, and how to build a team, right? You know, all these aspects that, you know, we only have a short window of time. And these are the three things I think are important. And I'm up there talking and I'm like, you know, everybody should want to be great. And we can give them the skills to want to be great. And, you know, everybody deserves their 15 minutes of fame. And we can instill something, you know, and here I am going on my usual, you know, we're just, going to make everybody phenomenal. You know, like there is nobody who's not going to be better. You know what I'm saying? And go on and blah, blah, blah. So later that night, we're driving home and Del said, hey, I got to ask you a question. And I was like, okay. And he says, you do realize that everyone doesn't want to be great, right? And I just looked at him and I'm like, what? What? <laughs> what? Like he's driving and I'm like, I no, no, it, it, no, it's like saying that everybody doesn't want to win, you know, or, and he looked at me, he goes, that's not what I mean. He says, what I mean is everyone won't get to be great. 
and everybody's everybody's reasoning of the word great is different. It's at different levels. And I'm sitting there going, no, no, everybody, no, everybody needs to get up there and they want to be, you know, this, that. And Dell goes, no, there are people who want to be a part of a team because to them, being part of a team is the greatest thing they're ever going to do. They know they don't want to bowl anchor. They want to be lead off. They're going to be the motivator. They're going to, and to them, that's great. And I'm looking at him and like a, a light bulb went off in my head and I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. There's like so many meanings to the word great. Like there, I have a good friend of mine. We won two team, two, three team championships together. Right. And she was, and she'll tell you, she goes, I'm not here to be the star. I am here to fill frames for you, shoot 640, and we're going to win a championship because all of you are going to shoot 750. Like, that's my place on the team. And we're sitting at dinner one night, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's what makes you phenomenal. Like, wow. And it changed my whole perspective of when I, and I think I even mentioned this in the beginning of the show, great is a word to me that I think it's thrown around a lot but doesn't people don't resonate with what that word actually means and it separates people and not in a bad way i think in a good way because it just goes into a different type of meaning and my friend who bowled and won three championships with me on on a team event is great to me because you know why she was great because that's what her contribution was and it made her great and then she helped us around her be great and it's not that I didn't ever think that way but I when I teach it now I teach it differently and I think it's I think it's important I do I'm sorry I could go on and on sorry so October 2007 you rolled the first perfect game by a woman in the history of the USBC Masters I don't know if you remember that match but uh, you know probably not (laughs) You know, so I guess maybe answered along the lines of, you know, what kind of focus does it take to get in a perfect game? And then just like the second part of that question, this question, uh, the Women's Series Showdown against Wendy McPherson was live on ESPN. Oh, the yeah. First, the first time they used the, the Johnny P scoring system, who's an yes. all-time great himself. You know, what are your thoughts on that scoring system? It's a, for like an average bowler who just goes out to have mm-hmm. fun it's it's a it's a little bit out there you know so right just, uh, just those two questions um the 300 i do now remember i was in wisconsin i think and i bowled it against chris barnes and the thing i remember about that is his wife linda who's good friends with me comes over to congratulate me <laughs> i thought that was kind of funny um so that was really exciting and again you're bowling chris barnes in a match so if you're not going to bring your A game or your best, you're not going to win. Like you have to be better than better uh, because Chris Barnes is one of the greatest to ever put on a pair of bowling shoes. Uh, the Johnny P scoring system, very different. But again, I think in bowling, one of the things we've uh, tended to do over the years, as much as I love the sport, is I think we tend to get in our own way. And I think we tend to get stale Yet then when we're stale, we try to go over the edge on over on the top. So I think what we need to learn as a sport is we need to change every year, 
change something or stay stay on top of the changes of, of what people want to see, what the industry wants to see, and what the world wants to see. And one of the reasons for using the Johnny Petraglia system was there was that controversy for a while about world bowling, and people didn't know how to keep score, and the games were getting too long, and blah, 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 blah. I think there's a place for it, but I think there's a place for it in something that we did like that showdown, a special event. I'm not sure that would be something I would use in a to win a major championship, but I do think there's a calling for it to make it attractive for special events uh, that everyone can participate in. And I, and again, I, I mentioned earlier when I bowled, I had tunnel vision, right? I, I don't pay attention to score. I don't pay attention to what I'm doing. I, I pay attention to what my focus is from point A to point B. I'm supposed to fill a frame. And if, if I fill a frame, I'm going to put myself in contention to win. Um, I would look over at the score, maybe around the seventh, eighth frame, see where I'm at. And that's about it. When I got done with that, Johnny was the first one to come over to me and say, did you know you set a record and he, strikes and blow? And I'm like, no, all I know is I won. I mean, that's what I needed to do. And that's what I was here to do. And he goes, Carolyn, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, cool. You know, like, oh, you're the first to do this. And I'm like, this is great. But my head was like, oh, I won. But I I liked it because I think it kept it moving and it was easier to follow. And for people who don't know bowling, and in bowling, we do this as well, we assume everybody knows bowling. We assume everybody knows our sport. We know we assume everybody can follow it. And we assume everybody can understand the scoring. Not true. The majority of people who probably bowl, uh, watch don't know any of that. So we need to make it a little more simple at times. And I think that was a great way of introducing a way to have people watch and understand it for a special event but probably not for a uh, professional touring major championship or uh, or a title. Well, you are a legend in the sport. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Oh, this was it. great. Thanks uh, for being patient and allowing our schedules to match up, but it was nice to meet all of you. And I look forward to talking to you again. I remind everybody, hit that like, subscribe, notification button. Thank you for watching. We'll see you all next time. Have a great day.